I'm recording. That's a terrifying King Louie. What in the cock? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm not going to. I, and I, you know, I might just be, you know, this might just have to do with cultural osmosis and I might just be stubborn, but I honestly just know in my heart that if I watch any of those live action Disney remakes that I will hate them. Yeah, the only one I like I said that I, I, I truly enjoyed was Dumbo. Um it is it is really, really well done. Um and it's a Tim Burton movie where he got his head out of his own ass and actually made a good movie for the first time in twenty years. Tim Burton. Tim Burton. What was the last thing that guy did? Like actually the last thing he did or the last thing of relevance? A uh, little uh, A, little uh, B. He made the. Did he stop making movies after Alice in Wonderland? Well, no, he did Wednesday for Disney for um. Oh, okay. And technically, Dumbo was after Alice in Wonderland as well. Oh yeah, I mean, I yeah, I guess I figured there's a gap. Just learning about Dumbo and having forgotten about Wednesday. <laughs> I guess my real question is, what have I forgotten about that came out after? The Alice in Wonderland movies. Because I feel um, like he didn't do a ton, but I could be forget. I'm sure there's things I just didn't know about or didn't care about after that. Specifically as a director, he did Alice in Wonderland in 2010. Um, and then other big ones since then that he's done are uh, Dark Shadows, Frank and Weenie. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, which oh, is I... a good, it's a good movie. Yeah, you're correct about that. Yeah, and then Dumbo, and then Wednesday. He's got a couple other movies listed in there that he's directed between them, but uh, I think he's been doing music videos for the Killers okay. off and on for the last uh, twenty years. Well, all right, he's, he's got them, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, yes. But back to the show. Yeah, what uh, what's going on? Uh, this is episode two. I almost said three. What uh, yeah. What do well, you it's our th- it's our third episode. Right. It's, it's... Exactly. Uh, this is Charlie X, uh, directed by Lawrence Dobkin, written. But well, the story was written by Roddenberry, but the teleplay was by a DC Fontana. Originally, air date is uh September fifteenth of nineteen sixty six, and IMDb gave it a seven out of ten. Wow. Okay. Yeah, we're still getting high marks for a lot of these going into the beginning yeah no the the intro apparently the first few episodes at least have all been uh uh, critically pretty decent i think imdb is critical isn't it and sorry it's the critics right or is it fans Uh, i i do not know where imd gets their numbers from i also don't know i i am db but yeah no so it's still getting rated pretty well um and this is this is one where the kid was trapped for 14 years without human contact and just had the computer to learn how to talk. Oh, and is that does, what happens here? Yeah, um, I remember this episode. Uh, the kid was pretty memorable. He he does he does a very good job of being a creeper. He makes the salt monster look like nothing. Wow. Um, yeah. I very vaguely remember this, and I. And my biggest impression is that I recall being really annoyed by this kid. Oh, he's a little shit. Yeah, I recall feeling like, Jesus, shut up. (laughs) That's how I recall feeling about this episode. 
Valid. He's a little shit. He's awful. Um, okay. But yeah, no, it it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. I think. Um, he gets like psychic powers or something. Right. Yeah, he yeah, can, yeah, yeah, yeah. He can like read minds or manipulate stuff. I don't know. And and yeah, he's just he's just. And he uses picture, it to be a picture. little bastard. Yeah, well, I mean, he's a teenager who's never had any parents telling him what to do, right? So he can do whatever. He's always done whatever he wants, right? Yeah. I, in fact, I recall thinking about Q a lot. In some ways, yeah, there's that, that little crossover, isn't there? Um, of just, like, the poorly behaved, um, mm-hmm. uh, omnipowerful person. Right. Like, why would I even care what anyone else thinks about what I'm doing? Yeah. That attitude. Yeah. Yeah. It's another one that I always I like we talked about last episode. Um, it's another one that I I always think it's further into the program, like the show, than it is. Yeah. I feel like who's the guy that um who's the guy that like really almost becomes God or something? Oh, that's that's the guy that gets referenced in the um the a lower decks episode where yeah. where <sighs> They Sean named, Sean knows him, and I can I always forget. I his think name. they called. I think they tried Gary, to make Mo- us. Gary Mitchell. Gary Mitchell. Yeah, is that who they tried to make us think Benedict Cumberbatch? Did did Benedict Cumberbatch play Gary Mitchell, or am I just no, getting he, more confused about multiple things? I think you're getting confused. Benedict Cumberbatch plays um, Khan in yeah, uh, but, in the movies, but he has another name first. Does he? I think he's a yeah, because it's a reveal. And no one was surprised, because... <laughs> but, like, yeah, he's called something else. I just remember and, being called uh, Khan. And then, like, halfway through the movie, he's like, for no reason, he's like, stop calling me that. I am Khan! And, like, it was supposed to be a big... a big reveal, but as I recall, everyone knew already. And also, it's really an insane thing. It really There was no reason for it to be a reveal. Again, this is all what I remember from a movie I watched 10 years ago and the cultural phenomenon surrounding it. So I, that could all be totally incorrect. But I recall him revealing it just for no reason, and it was very dramatic and no one cared. But I don't know if he was Gary Mitchell or not. But I don't remember if he, what his name was in there other than Khan off sure. the top of my head. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Let me, I'll, stop, and- I'll, I'll try to stop speculating about stuff I know nothing about. But uh, yeah, I, do, I recall something where like they tried to say that he was cast as some other crew member, some other name, and somehow everyone knew he was going to be Khan. And uh, there was some other name going around, and it was some reference to, to the original series. Like it was some, and I don't know if it was Gary Mitchell, but really what I was going to say is that I get Gary Mitchell and Charlie X confused about where this episode takes place. Like, you know, I get a lot of episodes confused together, so. Well, it's it's unfortunately if you're not somebody who's watching this stuff every day regularly, like I, I've said it before on here, like I'm not great at keeping track of what's what with the episodes. I I forget which ones are where. I have scenes that I've put from episodes in other in other, yeah, you know, episodes altogether. Yeah, exactly. Um, for good example is when I was when I was refreshing which episode this was really quickly, like glancing at the synopsis before we started. Um. It mentions about like a scene where Hura is singing while Spock plays his instrument, and I oh. I did not remember that being this episode at all. Like that scene does not that did not match for this episode. I've got that in. There's another episode where they picked up a pile of hippies off of a planet, oh, and yeah. I have it that they, that she was singing along to Spock and oh. them in that episode instead. Hmm. 
So it's great. It's great when you've got it all as like one big jumbled mess, but it's all good stuff, you know? Yeah, totally. But yeah. So we have a few uh, clarifications about some things. Well, sort of a mixed grab bag. Some of them are omissions, and some of them are things that we may have either overlooked or not known about. So I guess the first one is an omission. I forgot when I was talking about the terrible things that happened to people in Star Trek last week's question of the week. I forgot Pete's answer, which is the guy that gets put into the teleportation buffer with Scotty, and they're only able to pull out Scotty and not the other guy because the other guy's signal degraded over time into nothing. Which is yeah, really, a... which is, sorry. No, it does screen that that would be pretty, pretty shitty. Yeah, it's a weird like... and creepy one. It is. Anything involving the teleporter. So... The question of the week this week, which I didn't ask you in the previous segment, and maybe maybe that's how we'll begin the show, with me asking you the question of the week. I mean, we can begin it any way we want in the future. Mm-hmm. But the question this week is, what is your favorite special power that someone has or receives on Star Trek? And we specified that it could be... Uh, an innate power of the character's race. It could be a magical power they receive. It could be some kind of technological ability that they have. But yeah, the coolest thing that someone can do in Star Trek. See, it's a problem because like, I don't always feel like there's a lot of necessarily special powers that come up in the show, right? Other than like, you know, the major race-wide ones. We've got the Q, we've got the, the Beta Zeds, and we've got like the Borg are the major three that come to mind for me. Okay. Obviously, Klingons and, and Vulcans, all, everyone have, has their own little flavor, right? But Klingons so have a hard. neat special ability that their organ systems are redundant. So like if they lose one heart, they can just start using the other one. Yeah, and there's a lot of really cool, but there's like, there's stuff, the the Freemans, Romulans, Vulcans, and Klingons are a lot more subtle in their abilities. Yeah. Because um, really, I mean, Klingons are basically, we're super strong and we have, we have backups so we can get stabbed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're cool like, with getting stabbed. Um, which, I mean, that makes sense with how they're presented, but that's, that's really, I don't know, I've always liked the Q a lot. I, I hate the idea of the immortal though that comes with it you know what i mean because like I, th- I i have to feel like you they cover it in i think it was voyager where one of the cues is oh, born yeah. out of his mind and he just wants to die yep and uh i'm pretty sure i'd be that cue you know what i mean so like i love the idea of their power suite i think i'd get bored and want to kill myself too quickly though there yeah but, you know, this is, i think this is a hard question it, it really because because so much of it is so subtle, I feel like it's a harder question than um, the last couple of weeks have been, you know? Sure, yeah. And, uh, I mean, Q is a good question. I mean, a good answer. It's definitely on par with Charlie and also the episode we're going to be talking about next week. Yeah. Even though you and I are going to be talking about it in about five minutes, which is <laughs> yeah. where no man has gone before. Mm-hmm. Now, is there Gary, a T? Gary Mitchell. Gary Mitchell. It's a very Q-like superpower, but this is much like Riker, a man who receives godlike powers, and what does he do with them? Yeah. 
I was going to ask if there's an, an episode of, now we're off topic, of course. Um, I was going to ask if there was an episode of TNG called Where No Man Has Gone Before, where like Wesley pilots them to the edge of the universe in a magical warp drive accident. So there is a, a next gen episode that has a very similar name. It's called Where No One Has Gone Before. Ah, of course. Yes. Um, and that's actually pretty early in the season. It's a, the series, sorry, it's episode six of the first season. Right, I saw that in a movie theater. When they, you saw where where no one has gone before in a movie theater. Yes, when when they first put out the TNG episodes on Blu-ray disc, they had a special event in movie theaters, and you could go and watch that episode followed by The Measure of a Man. I think. Or it could be the first one with lore, if the first one with lore is in the first season. But some data episode. Okay. I don't I don't know. I we didn't have anything like that that I can think of up my area. It was but that would have been really cool. I don't honestly, I don't think until the remakes I've seen any Star Trek in theaters until the the Chris Pine movies. I don't even think I saw the classic Star Trek, like the TNG uh movies in theaters. I think my family mm. felt I was too young for it or something, you know? I, yeah, I recall seeing First Contact in a theater when I was probably, I was probably fairly young, probably like 13 or 12, something like that. So not super young. Old enough for Star Trek. Yeah, no, I think, I think I caught all of them DVD, but I don't think any of them were in movie theater for me. I mean, First Contact, specifically, like, as you've mentioned it, it's, it came out in 96, so I would have been... I would have been older than, yeah. So a lot of it was my family had control still on what I got to go to the movies for because they were paying for it, you know what I mean? So. Oh, for sure. So one other thing, um, which we are going to mention in this episode, Charlie X, um, is I believe I talk a little bit about Khan and how when... That movie, or the second, Star Trek Into Darkness, when that movie came out, there was some mystery over the fact that the character was even going to be Khan, Benedict Cumberbatch. And yeah, and I, we couldn't remember his name. Yes, I got to the bottom of it, and it is John Harrison. <clears throat> and as far as I know, John Harrison, that's the only John Harrison in Star Trek. Every Everything I tried to search on Memory Alpha all just led back to Khan, in parentheses, alternate universe. Mm-hmm. There is a theory that he was John Harrison the whole time. He was a guy named John Harrison that got some powers and decided to call himself Khan as part of his scam. <laughs> Even regular Wikipedia, if you look for John Harrison, takes you right to actual Khan from like the sixties. So, I wonder if yeah, I wonder if he was ever called John Harrison in the sixties. Probably not. That would have been because the whole point of the reason they called him that was so they they didn't want anyone to know. And we'll talk. You're going to hear about this later. Yeah. Yeah. So the last thing is that uh, in the last episode, The Man Trap, uh, we talked a lot about how it was the pilot and compared it to the other pilot, episode zero, and we're actually going to watch the actual second pilot later on today. But what we found out, and we do, we'll talk about it later this episode again, this kind of came up, that there is a different, there are two real, there are two orders that you find this show presented in. The one that we're watching is the release order. So when we talk about people seeing this on TV for the first time and stuff like that will be accurate in that sense. But that's not the order they were made in, and it wasn't the order they were intended to be presented in. So the alternate order is the order they're intended to be presented in. 
in which case the second pilot is where no man has gone before, which we've already mentioned a couple times. <laughs> um, so, so now we know basically. So we're gonna be we're gonna be watching these and presenting these in the order that they were aired. But the story, and we actually, yeah, we got some info out of Saint um, about how maybe can I just maybe I'll just read something that Saint said. Go for it. Yes, uh, for season one of T. TOS, if I recall, they basically had a hard time convincing the TV execs to keep putting out episodes, so they were releasing what they thought would draw more people first, or something, or something. Very tortured production history. So, yeah, so we're going to be watching the order in which they aired. And um, that's about all of the clarifications and stuff. The only thing I'm going to point, I'm going to add really quickly about the... Um watch order it is only season one that is affected by this um so seasons two and of uh, tos and on right to wherever we end up at as far as we know should all be in the correct quote-unquote order which is also release order yep. <clears throat> hey, it's, just, you... it's just this one season that's messed up Hello, and welcome once again, uh, for the third time, to The Least Ready Room, a Star Trek podcast where my friend Chris and I and uh, various other people that uh, are in our social circle through Discord or whatever uh, watch, well, me and Chris are going to watch every single episode of Star Trek uh, and movie and every piece of Star Trek media that has ever come out, and when we watch them all, we're going to watch whatever came out while we were watching this. We did the math, I think it's going to take 17 years or something, and then we'll watch everything else that came out during that 17 years. Boy, the world is going to be different. We're going to speed run it. We're going to do it in like 15 years. Um, so we're on episode... We're, we're on episode two of the release order which we just discussed of the original series this is the third episode of this podcast so yeah uh thank you for being here and that's the premise and you heard our our clarifications and kind of what we're doing and uh yeah we got a guest segment this week with weebs and saint and uh, a little bit of fickle pickle pie uh Got an opinion on Charlie X from those guys, and uh, let's listen to that. And then we'll talk to Chris with our full coverage of this episode. Thanks. Yeah, I said thanks for being here, but I mean it doubly. If that's the third time I've said it, then, you know, welcome to the Least Ready Room. Here we go. So I'm I am gonna start recording right now because I've just decided. Well, I um I got a sort of loose five questions that I'm kind of working with approaching this show with people, right. and right, right. Uh, the first one kind of is in two parts, and I decided I'm gonna do the first part before the episode, and the first part is uh 
when do you think you've have you seen this one when do you think you've last seen it and it's charlie x um i am pretty sure i have seen it i've seen i feel pretty confident saying i think i've seen all of the first and second seasons of tos and much much of the third season um you know, growing up, my mom had VHS tapes of, like, the whole show. I saw that. That's amazing. That's so cool. She, like, uh, still she got, having VHS tapes is a really yeah. cool thing. And she, uh, yeah, this was back in the 80s when I was, like, seven or eight years old. And, yeah. you know, my, me and my, my little sister were finally old enough to be in school, and she could go back to, like, start working again. And um, she got a part-time job at Walden Books in, Den- in Denver, their mall. So cool. <laughs> and uh, she could get she could order and get them on her employee discount. So she 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 splurged and she got herself the whole TOS collection. So I grew up on those. Um, you know, um, Charlie X. Um, when you gave me the synopsis earlier on Discord, I was like, oh yeah, I remember this one now. I've seen this one. Um, but it's been a really long time, so I do not remember much. Uh, I don't remember much in the way of any details. Okay. There's some, I'll tell you what my favorite scene is afterwards, but you might be able to tell. There's a real silly one in this episode. Uh, hey, Fickle. How is everyone? Hey, Fickle. And uh, yeah, and we were just about to start, so yeah. Um, unless you have any further speculation, Saint? No. Let's All go. Right. Cool. Yeah, how did you guys like Charlie X? That was a good one. I had completely forgotten it, except for the faceless yeoman. Oh yeah, I love the I love the faceless lady. I love faceless ladies. Like that's just that's something. That... <laughs> <laughs> a lady without a face really speaks to me every night. And does she? <laughs> It's very Resident Evil. Yeah. Or, or Silent Hill. Which one Which one has the faceless nurses in it? Silent Hill. Well, probably Silent. both. <laughs> Silent Hill has very, is very famous for a variety of nurses. Yeah. Yeah. I came in halfway. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it just made me more eager to uh, see more TOS. Awesome. I'm really glad that yeah, I'm I'm glad that this is something that we're doing. I I really like slept on this show my whole life. I yeah, I love this show. I've loved this show from the time I was a little kid. So I'm cool. I'm excited, I'm excited I'm, to to have other people like discovering it and recognizing how awesome it is. I'm glad to have a variety of experience sets. Um, I've never seen this before, and um, I've caught like maybe two episodes. Maybe uh, it's a uh, it's really intriguing, and yeah, that was terrifying. Whatever yeah. that all was, a lot of things. There were uh, terrifying in a lot of different ways. That one, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Me personally, I might just finally be mature enough to watch a character driven TV show from the nineteen sixties, and so. <laughs> right um because there are definitely some episodes too that are less character driven or more this kind of action yeah 
Um, and I definitely think I w- probably rewatched more of those just because when I was a kid, that like, you know, those the those are the ones I wanted to watch. But I, I, d- I did start to remember this one after as it went along. I remember, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember the dude with the crazy eyes, and I remember the faceless lady. <laughs> Everyone does. Um, I almost, yeah, I feel like I might have gotten this a little bit wrong, but at least, and in fact, I, I wonder if I picked out something else as something that I saw that is still in Star Trek that might have been the first time. Well, if this is truly, if the if we're if we're treating the release order order as canon, this is the first Q type entity or Q type situation. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yep. And, and also, there there will be many many more. There are so many, including next week. So there are so many energy beings of infinite yeah, power uh, out there. Spoiler alert: the next episode is very similar to this without the seventeen-year-old sexual undertones. Yeah, there's so many. Uh, <laughs> There are so many space gods. Oh yeah. Um yeah. and and I mean it's yeah, TOS definitely veers between that sort of this sort of high concept stuff to beating to, up a lizard man. Beating up a lizard man with a styrofoam <laughs> rock. Yeah. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of different there's a lot of different types of episodes, but they really led with the Twilight Zone horror, yeah, the sort of cerebral sci-fi kind of, and we yeah, and for anyone who hasn't, uh, there is sort of an anecdote about how as this was being released, they were kind of just they were shipping out the episodes they had in whatever order they thought would impress the audience or the critics or whoever. They were like, let's get our best ones out there. So they, I guess, they wanted, they thought, you know. Let's do the cerebral and the. It makes sense for something experimental. Yeah, kind yeah, of. yeah. Because yeah, you know, for me, I, I I didn't realize that it they came out in a different publication order. Right. And you know, I was like, I was like, oh yeah, no, the first episode is where no man has gone before, and I didn't even know about the cage for a long time because I don't think the cage was even in that. Like, no, it well. I live. VHS as my mom had. Oh, it probably was not. Yeah. No, yeah, I don't think it was. And those are just labeled as the title of the episode, not in any kind of they're not numbered, are they? No, they're numbered. Oh, they are. Okay, never mind. Yeah, and they and they're numbered with like with no where no man has gone before is like number 1, and I think Charlie X is like oh, 5 or 6. Or something so that's like that. the that's the intended order. Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, I that's mean, that's the order they were like written, and that's the order they're supposed to be in. And then the like, the broadcast the, order is what we're watching. The Stardate orders are if you line up the Stardate orders, that's the order they go in, and apparently right. that's the order they were also produced in. Yep. So yeah, and the, and that's sort of how the story was. Like you know, little things, little bits of character development we might see out of order but, are because yeah, but, but shows like this are you know we're really yeah, meant they're to very self contained. They're very self-contained and episodic. Like you just have to know the gen general. Like yes, they're in a spaceship. They're flying through space. There's a guy who's the captain, and then a doctor, and an alien science dude, and they have adventures, you know. And uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah, there it is, Weebs. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, you like her. 
<laughs> Very much. If it's not clear, Weebs located and posted a picture of the uh, the faceless lady from this episode. Something in this episode <laughs> that maybe happens for the first time. Um, and I almost, in the next, the one after this, the Gary Mitchell episode, this, the same thing happens and I was almost like, oh man, is that the first time this happens? And I guess not, because I forgot it happens to Charlie, which is they throw him in the force field room and he hits the force field and it zaps him and gets hurt. So like that might be the first time we see that force field where someone gets zapped. Although I'm not sure if he did the whole pantomime where he, he touches it, realizes there's a force field and then like he goes and like hits it harder right. and gets, gets actually hurt. I think he just teleports out instead. But so it's not the full force field trope, but that that's probably that was the and weird like like uh physical force field emitters slid out of the wall to zap him kind of right yeah then we're yeah so there's not i love oh boy now i'm just looking at i love the faceless lady i like her so much more now that i can get a good look at her i know she you know <laughs> she lived in my memory for so long like and she was only on the screen for like yeah. less than a second less than a second yeah she was there for a split second, like, oh my god, no face. It's it's really scary. I mean, I, the same thing happens in that Twilight episode. Well, maybe not the episode, but in the movie, there's definitely a girl, at least without a mouth. Uh, yeah. And yeah, that's something about, as a child, when, if I had seen this, I probably did see this as a child, because this kind of thing definitely lingers in my, you know, scary instincts in my spider sense avoid ladies without faces peering around corners you know that was put in me as a child yeah yeah oh shit you know there's there's really an enemy in um ghostwire tokyo is that's a lady with no face oh that yeah that sounds that sounds very likely yeah so this isn't too we don't really have to take apart the metaphor of this one this one is really about just sort of abuse of control and people who are little shits. Yeah, and they don't really solve the problem. It, no, they don't. Gets, His parents come and take him and it, say he can never live in society. He, he gets his ex machina away. Yeah. It's a metaphor for autism, maybe? I don't know. Could be. The way he simply cannot relate to or understand everyone else but in that case the message is well get rid of them it's not the message it's just how the the narrative unfolds this time Um, i don't don't even think it's autism i think it's just if you give someone the power to grant wishes for themselves it's bad it's it's not going to work out almost always absolute power as we're going to see next (laughs) <laughs> next week yeah. when the same thing happens uh, to an adult man you know who does handle it really well light Yamagami William Riker <laughs> oh and that was yeah we can skip my... we can skip ahead for a second <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was I was like yeah that was like when you when we said what's the 
What is what is the was, best special power someone gets or has? Yeah, it's just, yeah, it was like when Riker's Q. He does he does some cool stuff when he's Q. That's a good episode. Now, is that episode? Does that take place in season one or two? Oh, I forget. Mm, because I, I don't remember. I'm starting to feel like I'm starting to feel ashamed of this thing I'm about to say. But when I watch DS9 or TNG or Voyager. I start at season three. I do not watch seasons one or two of any of those shows. Only I'll watch S one of Voyager. Okay. But um yeah, DS9 and TNG. S one and two don't exist. My my Star Trek watching experience has always been just whatever's on. Whatever's out of whatever's on tv at that time um i i the concept of like watching star trek in order yeah is is a little weird to me in fact because again Mm -hmm. like when i had all these vhs tapes at home i just grabbed the episodes i liked i'd be like i'm not watching these in order i'm like i'm gonna skip ahead i like this episode i'm gonna watch this one um so and it was funny because I remember specifically talking with my mom about this too. When TNG came out, um, uh, we were live like me and my family were living in Singapore. Okay. And it came out, it came out on TV in Singapore like two years after it came out uh, in the United States. So I watched like the first season in Singapore, and like a little bit of the second season. And then when I moved back to the United States, they were in the middle of the fourth season. Or the fifth oh, season. Oh, okay, yeah. So, so there was a, a, a yeah. Of, like the middle of Star Wars that I just did not watch. Or Star Wars, Star Trek. So, I do that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Star, yeah, yeah, I think you said that in a lot. In, uh, <laughs> I'm going to say it a lot. We're, we're doing it right now. You know, the Star, star you know, the Star <laughs> shows. Star show, yeah. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, yeah, I so can I, see that an equilibrium kind of. Yeah. You miss some. And, uh, you miss some good stuff. Some bad stuff. Yeah. And when I look at a list of like episodes for for TNG and and TOS, I can be like, "Yep, these ones I definitely didn't see, and these ones I definitely did see." And uh, you know, I, I've never watched a hundred percent of Star Trek. And by the way, that's what it was like. If you missed three yeah. seasons of Star Trek in nineteen ninety two, you didn't get to see them until two thousand and four. Unless you, yeah. you know, unless you caught them on reruns when they were infinitely on on the weekends, eventually. Yeah, yeah. When they get a syndication or whatever, you go yeah. watch them on, on fucking what? Were, what were those TV stations that were always running them? Um, well, around here, it, there was Turner. a Fox station where they would run, and you know, it was when you got home from school on Fox, there was like a bunch of sitcoms and The Simpsons and Star Trek at like six p.m. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what we had. Yeah. Dark Ages, like Little Dark Ages. Cave. Yeah. yeah. What are you? What are we watching on TV? I don't know. Whatever they're putting on for us, we that's don't get correct. to pick. We don't get to pick. I tried to explain this concept to my eight-year-old, and he was just—he just looked at me blankly. He's like, "Wait, what?" I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, how can you explain that to someone that has any TV show or any joke they ever heard or anything they can think of just in a device in their pocket immediately? Yeah, and I mean, he doesn't have his own phone right now, but he's grown up. But he knows what it's, yeah, he knows what's out there. It's like streaming media and Mm -hmm. YouTube and, you know, like, 
If you like an episode, you can watch it over and over again every day for the rest of your life. That's what it is. That's you got it. Like, yeah, and I haven't had cable for probably like twenty years. So yeah, you know, it's a new in age. The, in this day and age, the only reason to subscribe to cable is if you like to watch live sports. Yeah, and, and you can also it. just subscribe to YouTube for that. Also, yeah, there's, there's yeah, there's other options now too. Yeah. So, Weebs, your answer to the question of week week was uh, Riker's superhuman fuckboy status. That's right. <laughs> that is Good. An, an amazing answer. <laughs> Riker fucks a lot. I know other people fuck, but he's the one that's known for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even after a while, Kirk is like off his game. Like after the original series, and like when you get into the movie era of Kirk, oh he's yeah, like, that's over. Yeah, he's like, I'm too, I'm too old and dignified to fuck. But like Riker as an old man is still like a silver fox. <laughs> he's still putting out that energy. Yeah, that's just Jonathan Frakes, I guess. <laughs> he might be one of the first. Sorry. Frosted Frakes. Frosted Frakes. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good flavor. I've been talking a little bit about, yeah, like, there's a bunch of different flavors of Riker. There's, like, the old Frosted one, and there's the the Lower Decks one, which I've been referring to as Medium Riker. He's not, you know, TNG Riker, but he's not old Riker. There's a Medium Riker on Lower Decks. Let's, I'm glad that I'm glad there's a lot of Riker around. I, we're almost, yeah, by the way, I'm also glad that we're going to get done with Picard Season 2 and we'll get to see everybody hanging out. I want to watch Season 3 again. I mean, I mentioned that enough. <laughs> but I'm excited to watch that again. Um, so my, my favorite... The scene that I told you that I really, really liked, other than the uh, faceless woman, the scene I really liked is you, her, singing the Katy Perry song to the Spock about Spock, like intensely, I'm being playfully annoying, intensely flirting with him. And he's not, not flirting back. Yeah. He's got a little smile on his face. Yeah. Yeah. Did Spock um, ever smile? I guess he did. Here, here, here he's. I mean, I know he smiles all the time. He's such a bozo. Yeah, but um, yeah, he's not Data. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, yeah, Uhura basically like freestyling it because she then she makes up a song about Charlie when he comes in. Yeah, and it's that's. I mean, it's it's so it's it's a weird scene. It's out of place and it's extremely fun and it's right up my alley. Like this yeah. is what I want to see. I want to yeah. see you her a freestyling while Spock plays his harp, talking about how he's wearing the devil's guise and hypnotizing and brutalizing the hearts of the women he meets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you not have you not do you have Paramount? Uh no. I was halfway through and you missed that scene. That's good, man. Before we wrap up, and I mean, let me say thank you to both of you and Fickle Pickle Pie. Um, but before we move on to, I, I mean, what I mean to say is after we wrap up, before we move on to watching a couple episodes of Picard, or, um, I will show you that scene because it's just, 
it's Uhura singing to Spock and it's incredible. It's like it's why is it's it's out of place. It's amazing. Dude, Nichelle Nichols. Yeah, Nichelle Nichols is an amazing is an amazing singer. And this is not the only time in Star nope, Trek yeah. where, where she's like, I'm just gonna sing a song. She gets to sing here and there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. She does that whole fucking feather dance in <laughs> Star Trek five. Or Man. six. Six, oh. I think. She breaks them out of the prison. It is oh, I don't is that five or six? I don't know. I think it I I wanna I say it's six. six. Yeah, I wanna six. say it's six. Six where they go to the prison. Yeah. The undiscovered country. I was just thinking to myself, did someone reference the feather dance on Lower Decks, but whether they did or not, I'll tell you where I heard a feather dance rec- uh, reference recently. And I can't believe, Saint, do you, know, do you know where I heard someone reference the feather dance that you heard it as? Oh, it was Nichelle Nichols referencing it, if that helps. Is that on Futurama? Yes. There's a yeah, there's a whole Star Trek Futurama episode. It's the best. Of all the episodes that you've showed me, I can't believe that that did not immediately. I forgot about that one. <laughs> yeah, I want, that's a good episode. And it's, it's similar to what happens to Charlie. The bad guy's parents come and take him home. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. That also happens to... Uh, oh, I'm not sure if that's exactly what happens to Baylock. Do you know who I'm talking about? The, cor- the might maneuver? Very familiar. No, yes, that's right. The Corbomite maneuver, That's which is like the second episode or something like that. Yeah. I don't know if his parents actually take him home, but it... Spoilers. It turns out the scary alien is like a child. It's Ron Howard's brother. Total spoilers, I guess. Sorry. <laughs> we'll get, know, it's going to be yeah. in like five episodes from now. Dude, these these shows came out... 1966. In the 19... In like 1966. Like, what is that? Like, 58 years ago? Wow, congratulations, guys. So... Whoever's in charge I, of starting... I think, we are, I think we're well past the statute of limitations on spoilers. Um, yeah. <laughs> for sure uh, would you guys like to give a, a number out of 10 to this episode uh, I will give this episode a solid 8.5 great wow for, for good writing for good acting for Uhura's crazy little song and Spock's little harp. Um, and also um, the fucking workout gear. Oh my god, Kirk's pants, yeah. <laughs> Just all, all the workout gear the that these guys stuff, have. Yeah, and the fucking cool. Ugel, Ugel sticks in the background. Yeah, that whole scene was really neat. A lot of, yeah, a lot of extras doing cool stuff. Yeah, and just the and the way they were talking about the food and stuff, they were like, ah, oh, the food concentrates and the it makes me it me reminds you that it's like this is early track. We were talking about replicators yeah, and no shit. Replicators, yep. Yeah, and I I ding it a couple points because the, the the solution to the problem is the Deus Ex Machina. They're basically like, okay, the parents show up and take them away. Sure. Yeah. They they, know, they didn't actually solve anything. It just 
it just happened. It just stopped. What was happening to them just stopped happening. And that sometimes, and some, and a lot of the times, that's how a Star Trek episode ends. Yeah, it's sometimes like, it's it just like kind of stops happening. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's like it's that's like the thing. It's just like an experience. Like we experienced something weird. Yep. And now we just have to keep going. Maybe a couple red shirts are dead. In this one, everyone got brought, got brought back. Apparently, yeah. So. Good. So that's and that's that's pretty relieving. So the only last week the that only, did not happen. The only, the only damage is extreme mental trauma, I guess. <laughs> Horrible little shit child. I didn't give this. I yeah. I mean, I guess I'm allowed to change my. I, when I watched this a, a week ago or two weeks ago, it, I gave it a low rating, and I I feel more. It, Especially, I, I feel I, I would give it a higher rating looking at it now. Uh, I, when I was watching this, I was, the first time, I was very annoyed with Charlie, and I happened to be thinking about Light Turner, and I'm very annoyed with these types of characters, and I'm, <laughs> and uh, I was like, by the way, that movie, I, boy, I, I, I watched that movie last night, and I can't wait to show it to you. Oh, boy. I would move this to a six or seven. I was just so annoyed with Charlie, but now that I got to look at it and like look at what happened, so many cool things happened, and you were, uh, yeah, I'll give this a seven. I'll change my. I'd say above five. Above five, good. Okay. Even having come in halfway through, I'm probably gonna up my rating by like I'm, I'm, I've got rating inflation for any TOS episode just because of nostalgia. Sure. So. Yeah. As- Assume I'm like a point higher than is reasonable at, at all times. Great, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah, that's a, there's some neat stuff in this one. So anyway, so yeah, so thank you to both of you. Um, thank you. You ever watch The Twilight Zone? Uh, I've seen, like, in the 90s when it was still on TV. I saw a couple of episodes once or twice, but I didn't, it wasn't something I watched regularly. I mostly know it through osmosis of um, pop culture, the way, like, the gremlin on the airplane wing oh. kind of thing, you know? Oh, yeah. You know about I, uh, hmm? you know about the third rock from the sun? I do know the show that John Lithgow and uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt started out on that show. I know a bit. I, again, not something I watched a lot, but. Um, John Lovett's boss is William Shatner. And William Shatner comes to visit from the other side of the country. Okay. And John Lovett says, How was your flight? Lithgow. Lovett's was the short, fat oh, guy who did the critic. Li- sorry. Yeah, Lithgow. <laughs> Lithgow Lithgow says, how was your flight to William Shatner? And William Shatner says, it was terrible. There was some kind of little monster on the wing of the plane. And John John Lithgow says, the same thing happened to me. All right. In In the episode of the TV show, William Shatner, 
sees the monster on the wing of the plane. Mm-hmm. They remade or they made a movie in the eighties uh, where they remade four or five episodes of the original series, and one of them is that episode, and it's John Lithgow that it happens to. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, another episode that got remade in that movie is called It's a Good Life. And it's about a kid. It's about an annoying asshole kid. Everyone has to do whatever he wants to do all the time, because if you don't do what he wants to do, he will send you away. Just like Charlie X. And interesting that we keep running into things that scared me and put an indelible mark on me when I was a child. But in the movie version of that, something that like really, really did something to my mind when I was a kid is he, uh, the, the child with the superpowers takes away his sister's mouth. He doesn't do the whole, he doesn't do the whole face. (laughs) Yeah, no, I have no mouth, and therefore I cannot scream. Or and, I, uh, whatever. Yeah, but yeah, the the image of her with with no mouth on her face, like when I was, you know, like seven, was just it wasn't something I expected to see, and I did not like looking at it. Um, yeah, no, um, it, it feels like it's the. Uh, I mean, you and I both talked about both of us having issues with dolls, and it feels like it's just a step, a slight step above creepy doll. Sure. Yeah. It's like creepy there's creepy doll and then slightly less terrifying is but still terrifying is creepy doll with no face. <laughs> the lack of the staring and the beady eyes, at least for me, is a little bit less scary. Sure. Yeah, I and in fact I almost think that a face with only eyes on it is like one of the most scary things. Oh definitely. Like and I yeah. Some people a very common scary thing is a face with only a mouth on it. But I think that's just intimidating. Like a a face with only eyes is something's gone. Like like you know what? You ever hear someone say that like maybe the reason a lot of us have this fear of some kind of large headed gray alien with big eyes is that in the distant past we were hunted by such creatures, and so we have this memory. We all have this fear of some other race hunting us down. You ever hear anyone say that? <laughs> Actually, it's funny you mention that. So I, I still am quite active watching the TikToks. I don't make them, but I watch oh, them, right? Sure, sure, sure. And I ran into one. I'm not even kidding. Like, I think it was this morning or, or last night where a person was talking about the Uncanny Valley and a potential reason why we have such an issue, issue with the Uncanny Valley and cannibalism as a whole scares us so much. Um, the idea that Neanderthals did not have the prion disease issue. So they could eat each other. And cannibalism was quite common with Neanderthals. And so early Homo sapiens, because Neanderthals looked very similar to us, like learned to be stay away from them because they'll eat us. And that's bad for us. Um and yeah, yeah like so on the Uncanny Valley is now is now in place because of our fear of Neanderthals. And something that looks kind of just slightly different and not exactly Yep. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Also, don't don't eat people. Oh, you can eat people if you don't like, but like, don't eat the brain. The brain will the brain will kill you. Oh, that's the bad. That's the problem. The brain. Yeah, the prions live inside the brain, and so if you eat the brain, you end up getting the the prions transmitted into you, and uh, it's like getting rabies. You're screwed. Once they've taken hold, you're dead. There, there's no treatment, as far as Is I know. A, what are prions? 
Prions are a specific type of transmissible disease, but my understanding is it's mostly only in, like, contaminated brain matter. So, a uh, good example of, like, mad cow disease is... Uh... is um, it, that, that kind of a reaction to it, like the way that that transmits and all that, that is the same kind of an idea. It's just, I don't think Mad Cow is actual prions, but it's that, it's that same kind of an idea, but it happens kind of to idea. humans, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, I've, I, it is. Mad, Mad Cow disease is a prion disease, as I'm Googling really quickly. Wow, okay. Yeah, Kreutzfeldt-Jacob disease. I just couldn't remember if Kreutzfeldt-Jacob was a prion or not, for sure. But yeah, so don't don't eat brains, and if uh, and when you hear about you know anything with mad cow disease, avoid it. Don't 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 eat that food. Just don't, because it will kill you. I um yeah I have I do have a policy of avoiding mad cow disease infected meat. Well, it's the same with humans. But that's the thing. Like we are actually completely safe to eat. Generally speaking, outside of the obvious like STDs that are and such that are transmissible via fluid contact, outside of that sort of stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you can eat humans as long as you don't eat the brain. It, the brain is the problem. Uh, and I, 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 I recognize I will, that I have I, will, a, I have a weird knowledge about stuff. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sorry that this is where it's said that, but you you asked. I'm like, yeah, no, this is, this is yeah, sure. this is where it is. I, yeah, I didn't know if it was like if that was something where like we all have a certain type of infection but like our our own brains like our own brain worms you know and i'm not sure i don't know like i'm not infectious disease enough to be able to give you that information i just know don't eat people brains because people brains will give you prion's disease and prion's disease will is just a degenerative thing it will destroy your brain and then you die what kind of brains can i eat uh, I'm sure there's like animal brains that are perfectly safe that are like they've checked them for cleanliness. Like cow brain is. Sean has a cookbook that tells you how to cook everything. Sure. It that's... literally is how to cook friggin' anything. And they do discuss how to prepare and cook brain in there. I've never read the, that part of it, so I don't have the information in my head. Um, but I'm, I think it's specifically cow brain that they use as their example so i'm sure there's going to be safe ones right or the other fun probability is that this is all old stuff that has been since realized to be a bad idea and don't do this yeah like, they might have done this you know 40 years ago and then be like ah you know what maybe don't yeah i've never heard of anyone eating brains i wonder if you eat the cow brains if you go to bed and have cow dreams about being a cow I don't know, but I feel like eating brains is like a delicacy. Yeah, right? It's one of the, yeah. It, it of course, reminds me of the Temple of Doom. Everything reminds you of the Temple of Doom nowadays, though. A lot of stuff, yeah. We are living in a Temple of Doom, for sure. <laughs> so this episode uh, has a star date for the first time. Well, that we caught. The Mantrap has one I found on oh, Memory Oh, it does! Alpha. Oh, we're dorks. We are. Well, we just missed it. It's fine. But no, I I, I looked up on Memory Alpha. Uh, the man trap was fifteen thirteen point one to fifteen thirteen point eight. And oh, but uh, is that that is and that is said in the episode the man trap? Like I don't know if it was said, but that's what okay. Memory Alpha has. So I would assume it's been said because I okay, can't see yeah. them. Because where else are they going to get that? Yeah. Yeah, and to clarify for anyone who's listening who doesn't know, 
Memory Alpha is the Star Trek wiki. Like, it's literally just all of the Star Treks, all of the wiki. Yep. It's Wikipedia for Star Trek. Um, based off of a, a database in that comes up in the shows eventually, I think it was TNG that Memory Alpha first uh, comes up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Charlie X was 1533.6 to 1535.8. From what I've been able to figure out with a little bit of, you know, reading on stardates, because, of course, this is now a thing I'm trying to figure out how to understand them. Um, that that is basically two days. It takes place over yep. the course of about two, three days. Um, the 1,000, it's 1,000 star units per Earth year. Wow, okay. Wow, okay. That's interesting. Yeah, no, it's 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 been an interesting read, and I'm definitely going to be doing some more on it, because, like, I found a wiki how on how to actually, like, make star dates um, right, okay. from, like, a real date, and it looks like there's two methods, one of which assumes... A st- they both have different starting years, and depending on what year you, you use as your base year to determine the star date, determines one of the additive numbers that goes into the very you know, algebraic formula. Um, so it's like zero, zero, zero kind of thing, or 58,000, or it's like 5,800 or something like that. And you, so you have to know what the base year that they started with was to be able to backtrack it or go forward. Hence sure. why okay, it yeah. looks like I might have been getting some of those confusions around the dates yeah. when I was talking to you. So yeah. That that this one here takes place in, I believe, uh, I think it was twenty three, twenty four or twenty three sixty four, somewhere in that range. It looked like it, I can't remember exactly when though, based off of the star date year. Yeah, and that that sounds about right to me. Yeah, no, it's, it's only a couple hundred years in the future. Actually, yeah, yeah it's it's two hundred years and a couple of months in the future from now. I hope we're flying around on enterprises and not uh, all extinct. We'll see. Zephyrin Cochran's only got like <laughs> 40 years to figure out what's yeah, right. You know what I mean? Even, is he even? Yeah. Oh, man. I really, we're co- I we're really coming up want, on Zephyrin Cochran Day. I want there to have been a nerd out there who has a baby and names him Zephyrin. Their last name's Cochran. Oh, his, just his the... birthday would have happened very recently? Yeah, I think it was like a couple of years ago. Okay. Kyle Reese's birthday was recently as well. Oh, yeah? Yeah, do you know who that is? I know the name. Uh, it's the guy, it's the first guy in the Terminator series that goes back That's in time. That's it, there we go. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, 2030s is when he's born. Uh, is that from Cochran? I've, I've looked him up. Oh, okay. Oh, so, we got, yeah, so he's got a little while. He's got a little while to get, to get here. Yeah, it doesn't, I don't see a specific thing, but that actually makes... Okay, so I'm going to go completely unrelated to this episode real quick, but if uh, he's we born have been in the... so far. So... <laughs> no, we touched base on it. We hit the star date thing real quick. Okay, okay, okay. No, please, please go ahead. I want to point out first contact, right? Yeah. Okay, so when they go back in time in first contact, they go back in time to 2063. Okay. Okay. Cochran was born in the 2030s. So he was 30? He was like early 30s in in first contact he must have drank a lot there's no way that man was in his 30s i'm sorry yeah that man was 60 when that actor when that movie was made at least easily maybe not but 
I don't he, know. He was up he, there. He was up there, yeah. He, that was not a 30-year-old man. Well, he was born in 1940, and I believe that one yeah, came out in, like, the mid to late 90s. I, I would say 98, 99. Yeah, I've got it in here. I just gotta, I'd have to find it, as a, like, in my spreadsheet. Yeah. Because I have a spreadsheet, because I'm that nerd. Um, which is which is which is great. We're going to collect a lot of data, and maybe we'll figure out chronologically when this all takes place. I'm pretty sure we landed on ninety six. As far ninety six is what it so came out in ninety six. That movie, according to what I've got here, which I pulled off of the internet for like um one of the one of the Wikipedia pages had every movie every episode okay. where yeah. I could put like the original air date and yeah, it looks like Star uh, Star Trek First Contact specifically the movie. The movie yeah. specifically was released November twenty second, nineteen ninety six, and I say that because apparently there's also, excuse me, a season four of TNG episode called First Contact that was released in ninety one. Okay, and yeah. there was a Lower Decks episode called First First Contact that was released first in First Contact. Yeah. Do they do a second contact on Lower Decks? Is that something? Yeah, that's that was the whole point of their trip. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. They don't do. They aren't. They aren't important enough to do first contact like Enterprise. They they do um, second contact where they make sure all the the eyes are uh, dotted and T's are crossed. Yeah, but yeah. So that's my little completely unrelated but funny thing is uh, a fifty four year old man was hired to play a thirty something year old, like a young thirties. I almost feel like I like I almost feel like I mean it could have been that the intention of the script writer or whatever wanted the character to be 30-ish but I almost feel like some of this is just like math that doesn't add up because different writers wrote different things at different times like totally feels like that yeah I mean I would I mean he is like drinking and partying and he wants to drink and party instead of like finish his warp drive which I mean if you're 33 that's how you behave well, and I do. Yet we do have to also keep in mind that back in the '90s, people did age differently than we do nowadays. It's actually been noted that um, due to less smoking, less working outside, better overall diets, like there's a bunch of stuff that we do now that we weren't doing 30 years ago. So people are actually aging better than we used to. Okay. Like the girls on Golden Girls were early 50s. Oh yeah, they they all looked like they were 70. Yeah, like so the lady who played Sophia, I think, was like late fifties, early sixties, like the old, old one. Yeah, she was the youngest actress. Was she the youngest? I don't know. I just know the character. Maybe she. That I, might. I'd have to Google it. That may or may not right be now. true, but it might be. It might but be. Either, either way, they were all, they were the actors playing these characters were like in their fifties. The characters were supposed to be like early fifties or maybe even late forties for um, Blanche. I think it no is who had a different way. guy every week. Yeah. There like was they were, no way she was in her late forties, the character. I don't know. They, they were also Although I mean I also think young. in in the eighties or so, we prob people probably thought that a fifty year old woman was basically a mummy. <laughs> I mean, maybe. There, you know, uh, I mean, especially like in Hollywood and maybe just as far as tropes are concerned, you know, people were like, Well, if you know a woman that is you know is older and is not married and it's kind of like part of the point of the show was like why would it even be interesting no one thinks about these type of people and so here we go and hooray you oh, know I, I mean remember. there's definitely a sort of discarding of old ladies I, it sounds terrible but i mean that's what i feel like the culture was like 
little well, bit. Well, still, it still is. It's, yeah, talked about, yep. it's still talked about in Hollywood nowadays where, like, okay. older dudes can hook... Um, if you look at, like, age gaps, you know, a long Leonardo. time, the age gap... Oh, he's awful. Um, but, like, a lot of the age gaps are the guy is 20 to 50 years older than the, the, the woman. Uh, wow. Both wow. as... Yeah. A lot of the times, it, it, when they're talking about Hollywood age gaps, it's, like, 10-plus years, and it's usually the dude who's 10-plus over the chick. Um, and it's, it comes up in both actual relationships and in the television character relationships, fiction. the movie, yeah, 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 and their fiction yeah. relationships. It's, it's, the, the woman is gotta be young, like, um, Anne Hathaway, I think it was, someone, someone, one of the, the actors who's my age played a grandmother recently in a movie, and they're, like, 40, and everyone, like, lost their shit, because how the hell are you, I don't remember who it was now, I want to say it was Anne Hathaway, but I might be wrong. I don't know. But yeah, like people lost their shit because this person's way too young to have done that. And it's like, no, no that's the age of a, gram- a, a new grandmother. Real that's possible. not a, that's very possible. Yeah. And they, but then at the same time, you're 40 and they're putting you in a grandmother role rather than a mother role. Yep. So welcome, welcome to Hollywood. But anyways, unre- that was unrelated. Back to the episode at hand. So Charlie X. Yeah, so a couple of people come by. Uh, Captain Rampart, Captain Raymond. Uh, they come by from the. Uh, <laughs> You've got from, notes, but they're hidden. From the Antares. I didn't write down where I didn't write down the name of the ship on the first page, but the but Captain Raymond from the Antares comes by, and him and his first officer or whoever is with him, they it's obvious to me. And I sort of knew that there was going to be trouble, but it was obvious to me that these two wanted to get rid of this kid as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had very good reason to. Yeah, <laughs> no, uh, Ramart definitely had seen enough of Charlie's bullshit on the Antares before he came to the Enterprise. Now, I wasn't... Um, so something that happens early on. First, first we go to, and I love the pedal machine. I love when I, because <laughs> I feel like, and again, it could be just I have a memory of seeing this one time, and I remember being like, "Why the fuck would they have an upside down pedal machine?" To I mean, who knows how they test your physical fitness in the future? But the first thing that Leonard McCoy does is strap him onto the pedal machine and make him pedal upside down. And it's if you don't, yeah, if anyone. And it's such a weird prop because it is, it's like, it looks like two boxes kind of installed in the wall at a slant. Yeah. And he's just pedaling with the gravity, just kind of letting them slide out of the wall. It's a weird looking prop in a weird looking place. And sometimes that's the kind of thing that really sticks with me. But uh, what I wasn't clear about is how soon it is after that, the scene where Captain Raymond from the Ataris calls up Kirk because pretty you know if i was captain raymond and i couldn't say anything in front of charlie as soon as i was off that ship i'd be like yo kirk chuck that kid out the airlock yeah (laughs) but But he's not he's not fast enough either though (laughs) yeah because charlie hears and spoilers let's just charlie's here's the spoiler charlie's an asshole He's got I'm sorry. If you're, if you're listening to this podcast, you should you should be expecting the spoilers. Yeah, and really, that's with everything, with everything me related. That's always the case. 
but yeah, most no, people Charlie, know. Char- but if anyone, yeah, any strangers, you know. Yeah, but no, Charlie. Charlie is an ass. Ramark tries to let us know, and Charlie blows them up from far away. Probably, it well, seems. I mean, he's got magical superpowers, as is very quickly evident throughout the episode, right? So yeah, he sends people away to the cornfield, like the kid in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> He does that. He turns one of them into an uh, an iguana, I think it was, or a chameleon. One of the two. It was one of those. Was a, I think yeah. it was an iguana. Um, poor Hura too. So yeah, the singing up, the singing part. Oh my now god! Now that you watch the episode, like oh there's my a whole scene. So they're very, still very early into the episode. Rand and um and Charlie are going to meet up and hang out for a bit. And there's Spock <laughs> is. Futzing around on a musical instrument, and Uhura overhears, and she starts singing along, and all the focus goes off of Charlie and onto them from his would-be romantic partner, um, and he's he can't take it, right? He's he's got massive incel energy there, and he just doesn't doesn't want this. So he he gets rid of her voice, he breaks the machi- the musical instrument, and. Uh, he he basically makes it so that both Uhura and Spock have to leave so that Rand has nowhere to focus but on him again. Yeah, everyone pay attention to me. I'm an asshole. Yeah. God, I, f- I fucking hate him like I hate Light Turner and his fucking Babadook. Wow, how many times am I going to mention Light fucking Turner in this episode? <laughs> yeah. This is like one of, this is going to be one of those classic characters that I, yeah, I mean, I even, you know, it's a very Q-ish kind of character, but he's just, yeah, he's just a little shit. Just a fucking little incel shit. He really is. Um, and they, they they really, really drive it home repeatedly throughout the episode, just over and over. Yeah, where they keeps... really, just every, oh, please continue, but. Yeah, no, he just, he, every interaction he has, because he has decided almost immediately, you know, a woman is nice to him, and he's never seen women before, because as was mentioned before we watched the episode of this, in this one here, he spent 14 years alone on this planet, had oh, yeah, no did, human interaction, <laughs> the only thing he had was a computer, and he's now, he, he's now a 17-year-old boy, so he's learning all about himself at the same time as, and like, going through all that fun, awkward teenager bullshit. And he meets a woman, and she's, you know, quantifiably, she's like, sorry, subjectively, she's just, she's an attractive woman. There's no question about it. Rand is a very beautiful woman. Um, and yeah, he, he decides that this is the one he's going to be with. Screw what she has to say, and it is all of those creepy stalker incel vibes that every, every person who has been, a, who has been in that situation, like, it's immediately like, no. <laughs> I think it, I think it's very important to note that yeah that she's the first woman who has ever been nice to him, which is exactly how the type of thing that triggers that kind of behavior in an asshole. Oh, it's so bad. There's yeah, it's- there's a lot of real. There's a lot of real. There's a lot of real shit in this episode. It's it's honestly in a lot of ways as much as it is a sci-fi campy adventure from the sixties. Like it it is still true today. I have been. I have been the recipient of a non-magical Charlie in the past. Like, I have experienced exactly what Rand is going through, and it is so not cool. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's, it's, unfortunately, it's just what, it is what it is. We're working as a society to make it less of that, and I can't wait for that to happen for the future generations, but. Oh my god, can everyone chill out, please? I'd love it. (laughs) (laughs) God damn it. But not, not to get too serious on, on a fun little show. Sure, sure, sure. Um, 
Yeah, no, it's 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 really true to real world experiences, and I I I, I commend them for for their accuracy. You know, totally. I would like to talk about the song that Yura sings. Go for it. About Spock. Again, they're they're setting up a romance that didn't I, happen until the movie. They re- really, they really are. Even uh, is it Yeoman Rand that's kind of egging her on? Yeoman Rand is yeah. like, "Go for it, you are, huh?" Yeah, and, like, I know. Spock's like a little bit annoyed, but then he kind of play- and then she's totally singing a song about how he's a hot spaceman going yep. around slaying hearts on various planets and like. Boy, she's yeah, yeah she's laying it on thick. Very forward, yeah. Go for <laughs> it, Spock. <laughs> a big yeah. part. So there's a lot of ass slapping in this one. I that's why I feel I I mentioned that I feel like I know this episode because I've heard someone talk about the one with the ass slapping. Yeah, yeah, I can see that being this one. I mean, we've got the two guys who who. Do the, the generic man butt spank that happens in sports. Right. Um, which I've never understood, by the way. <laughs> Charlie sees you it. You never. I've uh, never. You know what? I'm going I'm 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 to digress before I start talking about what sports guys are like. Because <laughs> <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. Just, that's all I'll say. That's fair. I, I, as, <laughs> as an outsider, it, it makes sense. But, anyways. You've got that one there that Charlie sees, and he's like, and he kind of like latches onto this as a thing that he yeah. can do. He's like, oh man, people on this ship slap each other on the ass. Where's that yeoman Rand? I'm gonna give her a magic potion that I pulled out of my pocket. He he gives he finds Rand Rand as they're finishing up their chat and their agreement to meet later on in a a moment that she is very clearly meeting as friends and he's very clearly meeting as date. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. So he thanks her on the butt. She's all like, nah, brah, that ain't okay. Um, talk to Kirk. And I love that she's like, talk to Kirk or McCoy. Yeah, <laughs> like, but she doesn't, have time. she doesn't need to explain this shit to him. No, but like of all the people <laughs> to send this kid to, the yeah, captain go, or the doctor. Go talk to Kirk, of all people. <laughs> uh, and then there's more butt slapping later on, even after yeah, that. Yeah, he slaps like, Kirk on the ass. Yeah. And by the way, all of that, all everything, all of that happens before they get the call from the Antares. So I don't yeah. know what Captain Rampart was doing. I don't know. He was like, <laughs> he's like, I better give him some time to cool off. It well, might you know have been what he was, a, case as of, a plot um, element is what the yeah. It might have been a case of of as we see, you know, I'm going to jump right to the end here. As we see at the end of the episode, um, Charlie has a bit of a range of how much he can control things, how far he can uh, control things, all right. that stuff. So yes, it might yes, be related yes. to that. Yep. Um, I don't know. I obviously am not the writer. Yeah. I, I'm not Gene Roddenberry, so I don't know what was going on in his head with it, but it could just be a limit of, of that. Um, it could be I'm looking too in-depth in it, and he's just like, whatever, let's just, this is a good spot for the ship to blow up. We need something to energize this little scene. I don't know. No, I mean, it really, as a plot element, you know, you let, you get some hints that this kid is fucked up, and then you get, you know, a bigger hint, you know, so it works that way. But really, it it... It could be that the Antares, their, you know, transmitters were down just like the Enterprises end up being down. And once they regained control, they immediately, they were like, Kirk, look out. And Charlie was like, oh, fuck you. Yeah. Oh, I can't control your your, your ship anymore that way. So it just gets to blow up now. We're done. You cannot stop them anymore. 
He says there was a loose panel or something he knew about that he vanished away and it caused the ship to implode. Yeah. Hey, I think this is... Oh, please. I think this is the first time we see ridiculous chess. Is it? (laughs) Oh, my word. It's definitely the first time we see it played and talked about. Well, I mean, it's also a case of, like, it's only episode two, right? So there's going to be so much more Kirk chess that happens, but, like... Oh, it's so bad. I don't know how well you could tell, but, like, he's in tights under his tights, and it's just... Sometimes the costuming department, I, I, I really question their choices. You didn't like Kirk's tights? I didn't like the tights under his tights or his tights. <laughs> oh, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't like that outfit you at think, all. I, <laughs> you think Shatner was like, you know what? I'm going to do this scene without a shirt on. You think that was his choice? I almost kind of can see him doing that, even though he knew he was going to be sucking his gut in. I mean, I can see it. I can also see it easily enough just being like the director being like, no, 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 like, take your shirt off. Let's have something like, look like you've actually been working out. Why would you be working? Like, why would you have a pile of clothing on? Like, why would you be in a robe to work out? That's stupid. Right. Whereas, like, everyone else is in a robe to work out because they're not they're not the captain being like, check out my guns. Like, <laughs> I feel I almost feel like it was Shatner's choice. He was like, I got to show off my my captain's bod. I don't know. I, I, I feel like it could go either way, honestly. It could, yeah, it really could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, no, it's it was it was an interesting little scene, especially where he's like trying to teach Charlie the basics of martial arts. Like, literally, if you've ever done any type of contact sport or sport where you can get hurt, the first thing they will teach you and yeah, everything, everyone, always. Yeah. There's nothing more important than not taking the hit to yourself. And Charlie quickly gets bored. But it's almost like, and again, it's almost like the type of person that wants to learn something. And as soon as you start showing him the basic thing, which is not, you know, the fully realized thing that they want to learn, you start showing them the basics and they're like, nah, fuck it. Except yeah. with this kid, he's got to vaporize someone on the way out. Yeah, no, it's it's, um, it's come up actually in real life for me with uh, when I went back to school and started learning a second language. Anytime I, people would talk to me about the second language I was learning, it's always, well, can you teach me the bad stuff? No, I don't care about how to have oh, a conversation. Yeah. I want to learn the bad words and nothing yeah. else. How do I swear? Yeah. Um, and and granted, martial arts versus a language, it's, you know, the skills are a little bit different. It's, it's a difference, yeah, but it's, but yeah, learning, but it's there, the same, are, there it's are the things same that idea. happen, yeah. And he's, he's also, it felt to a degree, um, not not just that it's not what he wanted to learn, but also he wasn't amazing at it out the gate, so yeah. therefore it wasn't worth learning. Yeah. This, this is stupid. Is I'm bad at it. such a type. He is. He really is. And I don't know how how much this was a type or a trope even back in the 60s. There must have been kids like this, though. But I feel like as well, this some, this is a trope slash type that stands out more in a modern context. Again, oh, yeah, I don't know yeah. how, how much it was back then, but like this has become such a trope and such a talked about thing for toxic masculinity and toxic personalities in general in modern society that it just feels like we've got it. We might just have finally got a name for this thing that was happening, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And Roddenberry knew about it in 1966. Good job. Buddy. Yeah. Yeah. The show is very progressive for a reason. No, a lot of this stuff is so smart. And I mean, I'm sure some of it is 
some of the stuff that I think is smart might be accidental or stuff that just happened along the way. And I might, and a lot of it might be me putting a modern reading on old stuff, but I, but despite whatever is going on in my head, I, I do think that this is an incredibly well-written show and, and it is, and a lot of it is, is yeah, real smart. It's so much more, like it's smarter than I thought it was. Like I, I, I've watched this stuff before. I know what the show's like. Da 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 da. It's smarter than I thought it was. Yeah. I I forgot how smart early Trek was. And not, it, like you said, it could be emplacing modern perspectives on things that weren't, and all that stuff. Like everything you've just said, but it feels smarter than I remember. You know. Yeah. He um. He describes to Yeoman Rand how he feel, feels about her. And he tells her that he feels hungry, that his whole body feels hungry, and I physically cringed. But so it's it really is just the ah. awkward high school teenager who doesn't know how to flirt and who's bad at it, and who just he it feels more and more as as you watch the show, it just it really feels like that kid who has been told if you're if you tell women that you like them and you you do all this here then you will get a girlfriend you will be popular and you will be cool and he just wants to do that and he has no idea what he's doing so he's doing all of it wrong and but and he still thinks well i did this and i checked this off and i did this and i checked this off the box i did everything on the list why am i not being rewarded like yeah like i feel i should be yeah a hundred percent that's that's what it feels like watching the episode at least for me um, and now, th- and now that I'm not getting my way, I'm just going to destroy everything around me and, and destroy the goodwill of everyone that I know. Yep. Well, like here, I here said, we go. There was that whole bit with Kirk midway through the episode that we, uh, where he was humanizing the kid. Yeah, you know, well, Kirk, Kirk is arguing on the kid's behalf right to the very end. Yeah, because it Good is guy, a case Kirk. of... It's this kid who doesn't know any better. He doesn't know how to handle his own emotions. He doesn't know how to process what he's going through. He he does not have a frame of reference to even start dealing with this in a mature and reasonable way. Yeah. And so he's acting out and he's acting like a toddler because he that's that's all he knows how to do. I mean, he he's basically a feral child. He's slightly better than the average feral child because he has language acquisition because he had the computer to talk to him. That's uh, the only but... difference. Yeah, I wonder how much the computer even really taught him anything and how much it was just the Thasians. I mean, I feel like they would have had some impact because they did uh, grant him the power, and why else would yeah. they if they hadn't? But it still comes off very much like he... Yeah, he must have learned a lot about humanity and society. Well, I don't feel like he did, though. I but feel not like enough. His... Well, well, facts, but not, you know, mechanics. Yeah, I... I... Not saying that like they didn't tell him this stuff. It's just yeah. I don't think it actually went. It actually sunk in. Cause, like again, why else would they pick up their their poorly behaved child from school and cart him off home to detention? You know what I mean? Or sorry, to grounding. You know what I mean? Like that's that's how the end of the episode feels. So the disappointed parent who's like, I'm sorry, I got the I got the screenshots of those messages you've been sending to the girls in your class, and we're not, this is not okay. Yeah. I wonder if there can be hope for Charlie, because we certainly have to hope that the toxic people in our lives can eventually learn and change. Oh, yeah. I really, I really wish, I don't think they ever went back to Charlie. I think this was a, he was a one yeah, done. I, and no, I, really... I, think, I think he was done. I think they took him away and threw him in non-corporeal space jail. 
but I really would like to have seen a, a revisit to him or have him come back like in a, a later series even where he just shows up and it's like no he's he's normal quote unquote like he's he's not yeah he is gross he's not gross anymore he's, he's yeah. gained that those that temperance in his 30s or 40s or whatever it is like I really wish they had revisited him I think that would give a lot of hope to people who are dealing with that stuff on a day-to-day basis in general right now to see that like the person can can grow and be better instead of being stuck as the same constant abuser but at the same time most don't so having that realism is also useful yeah yeah that's a damn that's a tough one yeah because because honestly at the end because me viewing at the end of the episode i'm like yeah fuck him up vaporize this kid send him to space jail you know but kirk i mean even at the very end kirk is like he should be with his own people he's gonna have to learn how to not vaporize people and steal starships it's yeah, really, no. yeah, it's really tough. Like, what the fuck do you do with someone like this? And you know, do you eventually forgive people like this, or do you go around with a list of people you're never going to talk to again? Because, because that's what yeah. it's like on this planet with this society. And, these and it's really, gonna, it's really going to be a case of like you've got to make that decision yourself in your. This yep. has been a very heavy episode. I this, this is heavy as fuck. No, this one is heavy as <laughs> I can't. This is the second goddamn episode. Yeah, but like it's it's again it's tackling these very and Star Trek's always done this. It's tackling this very very heavy topic that was and, a and real, real experience yeah. and very common. Yeah, a real thing, and, a real real thing. Yeah, I and like I don't I don't a hundred percent. I get where Kirk's coming from. Like I said, when we were watching, I get where he's coming from as as a defender and a Charlie apologist. <laughs> I, I I understand what his headspace is. I don't necessarily think he's right. I don't necessarily think he's he's correct in dismissing other people's concerns, especially Rand's concerns, who's actually taking it, you know, taking the full brunt of Charlie's affections and obsession. And she knows um, that she's got to take it seriously. And Kirk's like, ah, you know what? Like, it's just boys will be boys. It's fine. Like, no, sir, please. And so, like, there's a lot, and that's that's so real too. Yep. Oh, yeah, because and- yeah, a lot of people will just not see it if it's you know, because people who behave like this are so good at making their behavior not seem like anything that's a big deal to the people that are not directly involved in it and receiving it. Or the other one that comes up is is um oh I'm really sorry I misunderstood the, I misunderstood I thought she was asking me out on a date yeah I didn't know that that she was just meeting it as friends and that wasn't clear I, to me yeah. so oh and yeah like, oh. <laughs> yep yeah all of that's that fun stuff so yeah no I in no way do I I say Kirk is right and I don't think that how he handled it was the best way to handle it. That being said, I do see the perspective, and I can understand where he's coming from. He's still wrong, yeah. but I can see why he's saying what he's saying, and it makes sense that that's his headspace about it. You know what I mean? I do. Oh, do not do not ignore victims when victims tell you something is happening, people. If you're going to take anything else from this, do not ignore victims. All right. There, yep, there it is. But yeah, no, excellent episode. And like, yeah, so they have the... The song they have him just continually terrorizing the entire ship the entire time running loose and rampant like uh, uh 
very poorly behaved and very poorly disciplined child. Uh, latches onto Kirk as a father figure. Um, doesn't quite get to be full father figure with him because he starts actually taking over the ship because yeah. they start looking at trying to get rid of him because, no, seriously, get off the ship. And what are you supposed to do with this, too? This, this was a, the big chat that they had in the episode. Is what do you do with it? Yep. Where do you, where do you put an omnipowerful uh, who can just straight up take control of your ship or and yeah the whole third act is that he has taken control of the ship and he's going straight to colony five because then he can you know basically he'll be on a planet full of people and can do whatever the fuck he wants and get away with it probably forever yeah I'm really glad that his parents showed up and, and you know took him home and and Hopefully, disciplined him some. Well, his his pseudo parents. You know what I mean? Yeah, the, yeah. We can hope the the Asians yeah. who gave him superpowers because he was stranded alone on their semi corporeal society planet. I have to assume that the planet itself is corporeal, despite the, planet, the fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, that was I mean, that was the other fun one at the end. You've got a non-corporeal species with a very clearly non-corporeal ship who have collected this very corporeal being. Yeah. To fly through space, like how is he? How is he? Back. Yeah. How is that working, Mr. Yeah. Roddenberry? And is it? Yeah. Is it even a ship, or is it just a collection of their minds floating through space? Well, I mean, it could even just be them themselves, like you said, like yeah. in their minds or them themselves. Because, uh, what was, wasn't there the the episode where it was the um, they had an episode of it specifically in Futurama where they were spoofing Star Trek and they had the uh, the space cloud thing that was oh. collecting all the, the the actors, yeah, and making them act out episodes over and over again because he was a huge nerd, but he was just someone's kid. Oh, that's amazing! I've seen like three episodes of Futurama and none of them were that one. If I if I find it again easily, I'll I'll send you what like what season and episodes so you don't have to watch cool, everything for it. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, thank you. But yeah, they had um they had a bunch of, of the actual like the actual actors voice acted their characters and everything. Like they did a bunch of cameos. That's um, awesome. Yeah. And uh basically, yeah, there's this cloud heavy spoiler alerts, obviously. Sure. Um collects them, accidentally gets I don't remember how, but gets like Fry and the, the Planet Express crew. Yep. Um, as well on this planet, and Fry's a huge Star Trek nerd. It, it comes up repeatedly throughout the entire series, so he's fanboying hard. Um, and they're being forced to act out different episodes, up to and including like Kirk r- ripping his shirt open and and having like the the bare chested fight type yeah, stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of this stuff is happening, and eventually. Um, they're they're rebelling against him. They're they've made crew weapons. They're fighting back, and um, you get the the you know mothery voice in the background. I don't remember the the character's name unfortunately, but basically being all like, "Steve, it's dinner time. Put your toys away. Let's go." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's and that's the conclusion of the episode. Is mom forces him to stop playing with the toys, and the Planet Express, Express crew save. The Star Trek act, the Star Trek actors, and take them back to the Earth. Those who want to, um, but like they're all, they're all supposed to be heads in the jar because it's three year, the year three thousand. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So, I, I think one of them, I think it was Nichelle Nichols, but I can't remember. One of them was like, but, but I have a body. I don't want to go back, kind of thing too. Like it was, it was a cool oh, little episode, yeah, and a very loving homage. It felt lower decks without lower decks, you know. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I'll see if, like I said, I'll see if I can find it, and I'll send you at least 
season and episode number, you know what I mean? Yeah, thanks. But yeah, um, I don't remember how I got on there. Oh, right, so parents taking their non-corporeal parents kid. Parents taking their non-corporeal kid home yeah. <laughs> to their non-corporeal jail. Yeah. But yeah, it had it felt like that. It felt the ending the ending of this episode where, you know, they finally start tricking the kid to, to relinquish power because he he's only got so much ability to control the ship and the people. Um so Kirk distra- distracts him and they start being able to shut things down. Or it's the uh the the, the, the lesions showing up. I'm not sure it's not clear to me when I'm watching the episode which one is causing the comms and navigation systems to start being free. But a little bit of yeah, a little bit of both. I think it's a mix of the two of them, it feels almost like, but yeah. So they get free, they they talk to the floating green head for a moment, and then the head steals the kid away, hopefully to, to learn how to be less of a dick, but probably not. <laughs> but he's throwing a tantrum while he's getting teleported away. Yeah, uh, he really was. And the floating green head returns the vaporized, cause, and we didn't even mention that this kid eventually goes into a rage because Yeoman Rand doesn't want to touch with him. And he fucking vaporizes her, too. And we yeah. don't know if she's ever coming back. She does in the end of the episode. Anyone listening, you know now. But Yeah. Uh, this is not the first... This is not the last time we will see a floating green head on Star Trek. I feel like there's three or four floating green heads throughout I this. feel like I feel like there's a few special effects that they really, really <laughs> like. Too, yeah. Uh... Uh, I mean, and you know, some people like watching TV with a character they hate, but I'm going to give this 6 out of 10, and 3 of those points are for the girl with no face. Valid. I honestly, I love this episode. Um, It's awful. It's awful. It's it's all this horror that is real life and terrible, and the people in it are all so very real in how they deal with it, and how I see it getting dealt with in modern contexts. Like I actually, I love this episode. So it's, yeah, so it's it. working, is what you're saying. Yeah. It is. It's it's up there. Like I'm I'm gonna give this one an eight point five, honestly, out of ten. Like it's Great. it's right up there. Like it's fantastic to me. Um, I love I love the horror elements. I love the fact that he is that that awful awful teenage incel who doesn't know what he's doing and is just wreaking havoc on everyone and throwing a temper tantrum the entire episode. Like I love everything. There's yeah, I really. Oh, please just yeah, I'll let you finish. Yeah, no, there's not there's no notes. Like I there's it's fantastic. It's my my wrap up, you know? Yeah. Uh I feel like my memory, I feel like I was almost you know Q's kid, you know Q Jr. Eh. I almost felt like I was almost thinking of that kind of annoying. You no, know, he's so much worse. this is a way, this is a whole different boy. Yeah, yeah. this is a whole different thing. No, Q two was pretty solid, but Q T was just um a brat like it was exactly. just, he was just yeah. a brat this is a dangerous and yeah that's the thing q2 i did not feel was dangerous as much as he yeah. was way just, more powerful yeah. he's not dangerous just this guy was dangerous yeah. yeah this guy is a dangerous unchecked power um real world horror done very well love it love everything about it great thank you so much no thank you for uh hanging out and watching it it's been a it's been a good night yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm thinking about putting these out on Sundays. Uh, and yeah, we got a couple in the can, so great. Um, Yay! I'll stop recording now. 
Alright, thank you for listening to uh, <laughs> The Least Ready Room. Um, we got one more piece of business for this episode, and that's the question of the week, which we've talked about a little bit so far. Uh, the question of the week is, what is your favorite special power that a Star Trek character has, or receives, or uses, or whatever? It can be technology, an inherent racial ability, or any type of magical BS given to a character. Uh, Locke's response is, I know it doesn't count as a power exactly, but my first thought is Picard's ability to play the flute after the inner light. And that's, that is interesting, because that does become part of his character. Uh, he goes into a weird uh, virtual reality hallucination trap where time is dilated and he lives an entire other life and learns to play the flute. And when he comes out, he replicates a little pan flute and goes around playing it in a few more episodes uh and that that is yeah it's really interesting it's like when you learn kung fu in the matrix except that's the thing that he retains is that that other character over there uh i feel like it was like gallon or something like gallon like a gallon of paint um anyway I think that's a pretty good answer. Yeah, um, I think it absolutely counts. So let's see. We've got Saints. Answer, of course, was when Riker gets cued. And uh, Weebs is, as we mentioned, was Riker's superhuman fuckboy status. Riker has a lot of powers. Uh, Raven, the, the GM, says, This question makes me feel like I haven't taken in nearly enough of a show I thought I loved. Always did have a soft spot for Jordy. His visor pretty much does it all. His visor does have a lot of powers. It can see lot. It can see lots of different things, measure things, and do calculations and science right in his. Right in his special visor. Uh, Surreptitious music says Miles O'Brien's ability to speak in a Dublin accent and dislike non-Irish food, despite living in the twenty-fourth and a half century in goddamn space and also that it pisses his wife off <clears throat> or everyone on the enterprise d's power to simultaneously be obsessed with some aspect of 20th century anglophone culture but resist the temptation to have a cool dive bar with a good jukebox in it instead of heroic instead heroically hanging out in what appears to be a conference room at a Holiday Inn, because they have Norm Core superpower. Or just Troy's hairdo. <coughs> Pete says, I think Troy's mom's intergalactic sex drive and ability to double Eddie on Tundra, and I mentioned that one time Luxana Troy comes to DS9 and gives everyone a Beta Z cold, and they all start making out with each other. And that's canon. Oh, Weebs also says, how about when Lol gains the ability to feel, sadly before passing? Her father, Data, needed a whole special ship to feel feelings. Lol was able to feel feelings on her own, but it didn't last. And as we know now, there were many more generations of Data descendants. Perhaps too many. I talked about it for a bit one time on the internet, but uh, we'll meet all those characters eventually. And yeah, that about wraps it up. The question for this week, um, because it's kind of, we're, we're doing a similar question because it's a similar episode. And the question is going to be, 
It does, this one doesn't have to be Star Trek. What is a story that you like, or what is your favorite story that features an abuse of power? Um, you know, this can be godlike entities like we see here. It can be someone that simply has uh, uh, power granted by the government. It can be someone who has power over others simply because they are very manipulative and have a sort of stolen social power. So, uh, yeah. Another way to phrase this is, who's your favorite superpower to asshole in fiction? And uh, with that, I will leave you all until next week. This will be published on Sunday. The next episode is Where No Man Has Gone Before, where Gary Mitchell gets super godlike powers. I don't believe he does any sexual harassing, but he is an asshole. So, talk to you then. <laughs>